Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. Over the past decade, purpose and the business for good ideology has moved beyond TED Talks and Davos salons and cocktail parties to a set of best practices and tools that can be deployed to activate corporate purpose at scale. In fact, understanding that and getting into that is part of why I started this podcast. And there are lots of questions that come after an organization sets out to become more purpose-driven or purpose-led. And purpose often means changing almost every aspect of how business is done. And my guest today is Brandon Peel, the Vice President of People Science at Ion Learning. And Ion Learning provides tools and technology for social learning within an organization, a sort of operating system, if you will, for organizations on a purpose journey that leads and helps people understand their purpose, the purpose and help them feel more connected and inspired and safe at work, and really how to create an inclusive culture within an organization. I got introduced to Brandon through my good friend, Carolyn Hodge of Rockham Consulting. And it was reading a white paper that Brandon co-authored on the subject of purpose that really closed the deal uh, and made me want to have him on the podcast. And so today... Brandon and I talk about the purpose journey broadly and the steps and the changes an organization must take toward that journey and how to create a purpose-led culture. We talk about where purpose manifests in the organization, how it shows up, and not signs and symbols and slogans, but in actions and outcomes. And we actually spend a fair bit of time maybe not enough, but a a good bit of time talking about the risks and watchouts of faux purpose, purpose washing. Uh, And Brandon elaborates uh, that under three warnings, that of shallow purpose, elitism, and lack of commitment. And that's later in the podcast. So I am, it was a very interesting and inspiring conversation and I'm very grateful to Brandon for coming on the podcast. So without further ado, my conversation with Brandon Peel of Ion Learning. Brandon, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be with you here, Michael. Thanks so much. So let's get right into it. I think you all have a point of view on the ROI of purpose. Let's drop into that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, let me just be clear, like what it is we're talking about when we say purpose, um, could, because as you know, the word is ubiquitous now. It's people are talking about beer and soap and pop music, you know, you know using that, that sacred word purpose as a way to engage what is really like a deep longing in people's lives to matter and they have meaning. And so the way that, that we treat it, uh, Ion and amongst my colleagues uh, in the global purpose leaders is you know, we hold it as a transcendent identity. That is the beyond your personality, beyond your organization. It's something that you can try to express 
through vision and purpose and values, but it really is almost almost has like an ineffable quality, like a, like a sacred like battle cry of some sort. And so now, how do you measure that? I don't know. Uh, but what people are measuring is whether or not is basically the the incremental effort that people put in in terms of innovation and productivity when they feel part of something larger than themselves. So it's a, you know, it's a proxy of what maybe a sacred purpose is. And so one of the amazing things is that has just happened over the last decade or so is all of these large institutions, you know, Bain, McKinsey, Harvard, Stanford are saying, this is actually what matters. There's uh, very little left in terms of optimizing efficiency in the economy other than the human experience. And so they're looking at how do we innovate? How do we disrupt? And what they found is that when people have a transcendent identity, when they're connected to something bigger than their own selfish desires, they're 175% more productive, that they're willing to forego a substantial portion of their lifetime earnings, uh, 23% of their lifetime earnings, if they can be a part of something that matters to them. And as you can imagine, this means a reduction in turnover, a reduction in sick days, uh, fewer doctor's visits, and basically people showing up uh, as if it matters. And so they are, they're not phoning it in. They're looking for creative ways to solve problems. They're empowering each other to be more purposeful, to uh, do their best, to go for that next promotion, to do the next training program. And so it's, a, it's really a shift from widgets and extraction production to how do we have the most fun at work and achieve our highest potential. Great. And from a, from a employee engagement standpoint, productivity, fulfillment, that all makes sense. What you cite the, I guess, now famous case of Heinz and Unilever. <laughs> Yeah, as a as maybe an exemplar of of two organizations that were on either side of of that discussion. So just give us that yeah. unpack that for us. Yeah. So um, basically, Kraft Heinz and Unilever have two radically different approaches to business. Uh, Universal uh, Unilever is like fundamentally stakeholder driven, purpose oriented. They uh, do a lot of things that cause traditional Wall Street analysts to scratch their heads, but that ends up turning into more sales and more customer loyalty. And what they found is that over the last, basically the last five years, the delta in performance has been 90% between Kraft Heinz and Unilever. So Kraft Heinz has gone down 61% and Unilever has gone up 33%. So all that human potential, all that productivity, all the innovation was unleashed on behalf of the team. Cause they're like, yes, we are going to make products like you know, a very famous one of dove, right. That are for all women that do not shame women into a, a size two. Uh, and that inspires us. So I'm going to be talking to my friends on the weekends. I'm going to be sharing with my partner. I'm going to be doing research, re- reading related books on this sort of thing. And I'm bringing all that into my, uh, back to my team. And so Unilever consistently outperforms Kraft Heinz because Kraft Heinz is basically a cost-cutting strategy. It's 
it's a, uh, in a sense, like a, a dinosaur in terms of how it approaches people and profit. Excellent. And I, I was just listening to Paul Pullman, the former mm -hmm. head of Unilever on a, on an FT, uh, webinar and podcast mm -hmm. and just kind of talking about this same, he's, he's moved on and is trying to get more and more organizations on the same path. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's an incredible voice for this idea. Give us your, so give us your theory of change. How do you, how do you advise organizations? How do you approach this? What are the steps? Yeah. So there's uh, the right way to do it. And then there's other ways to do it that have varying levels of, of efficacy. So I'm just going to share with you kind of like the Cadillac and Mercedes Benz version. And this, this happens when senior executives feel that, that pinch. They, they feel like, all right, I am working my tail off. I've been working my tail off for 20 years. I could retire. Why am I still here? And part of them says, I should retire. <laughs> I'm done. The other part is like, I've got a legacy to leave here. And so that senior executive and hopefully a, a cadre of senior executives say, let's spend some portion of our time on this question of legacy. And so they bring in a, a purpose coach consultants and they do deep purpose work themselves, which is not to say that they don't have a sense of purpose. They don't, their lives don't have any meaning but they reawaken that capacity to intuit, to feel into what's really there for themselves. And then once all of those purposes are in the room, there's another process that reveals the organization's purpose. And these, these processes can range from the very mystical to uh, more conversational around our values and how our values show up at work. But what ends up, been revealed is a future vision for what that organization could be. And all the senior executives feel a connection to it. And then from there, we then move into strategy. We then move into activating the purposeful leadership of all of our team members, beginning with you know, the frontline managers, because they are the culture stewards, the strategic operators for the entire organization, and then the rest of the employees. Because this can't be a... Uh, you know, something for the special kids. This, this is the purpose is a, is a civil right. I believe it's our birthright. And when an entire team has the opportunity to bring their whole selves to work, that's when you see the, that big 30% bump in innovation, that 175% bump in productivity. Got it. <clears throat> and then what happens? So basically everyone has to learn how to, be different at work. Uh, it's, it's not that metrics no longer matter, but now we are cultivating intimacy with each other on a team by team basis. Uh, we're being more vulnerable. So we're leading differently. We're creating many more one-on-ones. We're having performance always in the context of career development, always in the context of that employee's uh, purpose. So, so that they can see like, if I move to this, level of performance, I will then have the ability to express my purpose even more deeply. So it's a, kind of a more intimate one-on-one -on -one player coach relationship than uh, you know, manager subordinate. 
And so once the, the culture and the leadership begin to evolve to have this purpose orientation, whether measuring the health of their teams, not just on productivity and achieving goals, but on the quality of their relationships, on how much they're learning and how they feel about the work that they're doing. So it requires some more subjective uh, analytics to capture really how purpose activated a particular team is versus another. And then, you know, it, it kind of goes without saying, but once that happens, there's this kind of domino approach where as people start to bring their purpose to work, they start to see all sorts of ways to do it better. And a number of structures end up getting implemented, such as the chief purpose officer. Um, and that's basically somebody who is in charge of that organization's purpose. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times this falls to the CEO. We actually recommend that you have a separate individual who works across the organization and is always truing up business processes and teams with the organization's purpose. And then to change how you measure. And so we are a big fan of B Corps uh, and that ethos of looking at the impact of the organization's purpose and their activities on employees, on community, uh, obviously investors, but it's, it's in the environment and it's, it's changing how we measure success. And that ultimately also brings in a, an, an equity conversation around, wow, we're doing great, but why is everyone in this room white? So it, it leads into diversity and inclusion. It bleeds into how the spoils are distributed because if everyone is bringing their purpose to work, they're basically showing up like an owner. So they probably should be compensated that way. So how do you tie individual performance and purpose activation to financial performance? And lastly, I would just say that this whole person orientation requires a different way of working. Uh, obviously, all of this has been thrown into the spotlight now since the pandemic. But this focus on wholeness, on wellness, you know, bringing in a number of best practices for uh, human potential and, and human flourishing, like shorter work weeks, more flexibility, you know, paid sick leave, hazard pay, all the things that you know the, the leading companies in this movement are doing, they did it because of purpose. Now we're seeing that like we have to do it just to get that person to want to work here. <laughs> right, right. So <clears throat> Does this work for every company? Because as you were talking, this sounds very Berkeley, Marin County, <laughs> B Corp speaking, yeah. right? So can every company get there? I think a lot of the things that you talk about are, are incredibly aspirational. And I think if mm -hmm. you asked any organization and, and any leadership of any organization, they would say, yes, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, those, those things don't always line up. So how right. do you, what do you, how do you counsel, how do you invite, advise companies that aren't, you know, that, that, that maybe are not as progressive? Yeah. So uh, the short answer is everybody can get there. And we're actually, we actually never get there. So it's a process. It's a commitment. It's something you know that will not be complete by the time you die or by the time you retire. So it, it begins by taking some steps. So 
one of the easiest ways to begin it is to work with the executives on their purpose. Uh, now, this has to be opt-in. You know, somebody who has died in the wool that just thinks that Milton Friedman, the business to business is business, is probably not going to do it. And over time, that person will slowly feel that they probably would be better off in another place. Or maybe they then feel the call. The easiest place to begin is with executives, make it available to them. And then there are a number of enterprise solutions that are also very easy to do. Uh, so obviously my company, Ion Learning does it, um, but there's also, there's Hone, there's uh, Cross Knowledge, there's Imperative, there's a number of folks who have scalable enterprise-wide uh, purpose activation offerings. And, and what you can do is begin by weaving them into the onboarding and into the frontline manager leadership development. And so essentially what this, what this begins to force a function is that the, the people who are actually creating the value, not just managing the value, but creating the value are operating in a far different way. The people at the top are starting to operate in a different way. And then, you know, these are two very simple things and it begins to kind of create a polarity from the bottom to the top. Like this is who we are. This is what we want to be. And then you can bite off the next piece is like, okay, our people want this. Our executives want this. We need to do an organizational purpose reawakening or reorienting. And then from there flows out the strategy, objectives, policy upgrades. Yeah. And you know, I think you mentioned something which I want to come back to is, well, you briefly touched on recruitment and I was talking to a couple other folks about this topic that increasingly the generational move away, you know, that there's a generational shift and that Gen Z wants purpose laid out first and foremost. So it isn't a nice to have, right? It's absolutely going to drive talent management and acquisition going forward. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I, I would say that, um, you know, all the generations in the workforce have some orientation towards it. You know, boomers are thinking about legacy. Uh, Gen Xers are hitting midlife crises. The millennials and zennials are, asking themselves, why am I doing anything right now? <laughs> it seems like everything's broken. Yeah, a paycheck would be great, but at, at the price of what? You know, and, and so they're, they're much better at advocating for their needs. You, know, you and I, we were probably more willing to, to trade a piece of our soul for some security. Younger generations are not. So, and it has to be more than something stuck to the wall. This has to be embodied in the hiring manager. It has to be part of the team ethos. Um, and there, there have to be resources around it. So you join this firm, you will get an opportunity to activate your purpose, continue to grow have career advancement opportunities, but it's going to be dictated by what you want to do. Yep. All right. So I want to, I want to move into COVID mm -hmm. because I think all of the things that you are describing and and we're seeing it, it that we're seeing the stark relief now between organizations that are purposeful mm -hmm. and 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 those that are not. So how are you? What are you seeing right now? How is this playing out through 
the pandemic? Yeah. Well, uh, to be perfectly frank, it does take a fair amount of psychic bandwidth to think about purpose. And I don't yet think we're out of the phase of, you know, panic. Um, things are, some things are starting to stabilize. Obviously some things are reopening regardless of how well considered that move is. But, um, shortly, uh, I would say in the next few weeks. So it's, what is it now? It's almost the end of May. I would say as people start to think about who they are in Q3, you know, they've got, they've made some big decisions, maybe some reorgs, some layoffs. They started to think about that maybe their purpose doesn't actually make a damn bit of difference um, or their current expressed kind of corporate um, strategy doesn't, doesn't really matter to anyone anymore. They're going to start to ask those questions much as people did right after 9-11. There was a wave, a wave of uh, professionals who just said, I am not going to be part of something that doesn't make a difference. Uh, might be fighting terrorism, but uh, now people are looking at all the gross inequities that this, as you said, like the stark relief is showing us, like, I've got to do something that lifts people up, that creates a working economy, that pays a living wage, that um, creates opportunities for everybody, that takes an activist stance towards women, people of color, people who like, don't identify as straight or, or male or, or female. And so there's a, there's a kind of a, a latent purpose yearning that is about to spring. Um, but right now we're not seeing it like in our business. A lot of people are still on pause, either they're hiring massively because they present, they pr uh, provide an essential service or they're just freaking out. So Q3, I'm guessing there'll probably be a big expansion in the purpose conversation. Right. Got it. I want to jump to <clears throat> one of the things that is in your your white paper and, and, and that really leapt off the page to me, which is this notion that this can't be microwaved. It has to be slow cooked. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wish I could take uh, credit for that phrase. I was said by somebody at uh, Freddie Mac who's in the people department, I forget his name, but it hit me like a ton of bricks too. When I heard it, I was like, yes, of course, we all know this. Um, you can have an offsite, you can have a half day training. Uh, you can buy a copy of a purposeful book for the entire company. All that's great. But unfortunately the research on culture change and on uh, pivoting and, and just overall change management, all, all points to a sustained approach. So we've got to put anything strategic or culture oriented or people oriented that we want to do in the slow cooker. And on the strategic sense, that just means making improvements every month towards truing up the organization to its purpose. So it's a, it's a long-term commitment. You're never there. There's always going to be a Delta between the ideal and where you're at. But the important thing is to make the progress. Now, on the culture front, this is the part I think that is least understood. Um, we've seen some really encouraging research on what actually works. Now, 
the old way of doing things is hire a trainer, hire a consultant, maybe hire your, you know, your special snowflakes, uh, an executive coach. And that's fine for them in those moments. They might have a transcendent experience in the offsite or the half day, but it actually has proven it doesn't work. 90% of everything that is learned is forgotten within a week. And so that old way of doing things like dropping you into a two day offsite or three day offsite, it didn't work in the first place. And now, of course, it's increasingly difficult to do. So the, the approach that actually works is a, a bite-sized learning and discussion over time, where you pair some transformative content around purpose, around inclusion, around emotional intelligence, whatever the, the, the larger culture goal is. And you move people through a journey together in small groups of three or four. Now you can do it in you know one-on-one -on -one peer coaching imperative style. I've done that; it's highly effective. There's something that happens that's that's um, uncommon at the group size of three to four, and that's where you get a, a diversity of perspective around a particular issue without sacrificing trust and intimacy. So moving folks through a journey where they're doing an hour of transformational content, taking a new action, and then telling their experience of doing that. So engaging storytelling, engaging empathy, emotional intelligence, that's where the real learning happens. Um, we've got a white paper coming out soon that suggests that the amount of learning that occurs as a result of these conversations is 160% of what it would otherwise be without small groups getting together and sharing about their experiences. Excellent. So <clears throat> last question, last kind of setup here. Let's talk about pitfalls of trying to, for lack of a better term, half-ass it. So how do you how do you think about that? What are the pitfalls? What are the watchouts? Yeah. And how do, how do organizations need to be thinking about this in order to do it right? Well, you basically just play this podcast on backwards, like a Beatles record, and you hear it. Well, the and this we've seen this a lot over the last five years. You know, especially hiring organizations, um, talent marketing organizations are seeing that the marketplace is craving purpose, so they're changing their language, investing in some nifty videos showing some diverse people doing some community service or something like that. And those aren't bad things necessarily, but if that's all it is, it pretty quickly gets realized as shallow purpose. Like during the day, I've got a terrible manager. I have to do things that mean nothing to me. There's no opportunity to discover who I am, to activate my purpose. I'm basically a corporate drone who gets to do volunteering once a month. And that shallow purpose is, you know, similar to the greenwashing of the 2000s, called like you know, why washing or woke washing. And we're, what we're seeing is that it's souring regular people's uh, listening of the word purpose itself. Like, oh yeah, I was once part of a purposeful organization. It was terrible. Like you hear about these things. Um, when you when you look at a lot of quote unquote purpose driven 
organizations and their glass door ratings, a lot of them have burnout cultures. They're like our mission is enough. We are providing low income housing that should be enough. And what they find is that people hate working there. They don't make enough money. They're have job insecurity. Their managers are cracking the whip. So what we need is deep purpose. And that's where the executives do it, the frontline managers, all the employees, and then they begin to upgrade the organization. So that's the first one is that shallow purpose, that kind of why washing piece. And the, the second is, you know, this traditional approach that yes, purpose is important. Leaders are more effective and efficient and productive. So let's just upgrade our leadership and everything else will take care of itself. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Leaders actually end up leaving. <laughs> We've seen this time and time again with our clients. We're like, oh, we just want to invest in, in this population. And we do it and we realize we spent a whole year training people to know who they are and then they leave. So what we we need to do is, yes, train those people, but train the whole organization, let them know that this is a place where they can live it. And so it's a, it's a much more egalitarian, enterprise-wide approach to activating human potential. And then the, the last is you know, similar, it's the inverse, like I said, of, that, of the slow cooker. It's the microwave approach where they say, oh, purpose is great. Let's bring in Simon Sinek. Let's bring in Aaron Hurst. Let's bring in Richard Leader and train our leaders. And then leaders have this awesome experience. A few behaviors get taken in the weeks after, and then everything reverts to the mean. So those are the basically the three pitfalls, elitism, lack of commitment, and shallow purpose. Fantastic. I definitely want to play this podcast backwards to hear <laughs> hear those pitfalls. <laughs> but that was that was an incredible summary, Brandon. Thank you. And we're going to have to leave it there. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Well, and thank you, Michael. This this conversation, not, not just ours, but the conversation you have with this Purpose Inc. podcast is so needed. Because uh, like I said, in Q3, people are going to be looking for clarity for accessibility, and you're doing a great service to humanity by doing this podcast. Thank you. All right. We're going to leave it there. Brandon, thanks so much. Take care. Bye. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.